back to the Mob Mentality Show. I'm Chris Lucian, and my co-host is Austin Chadwick. And today we're going to be talking about uh, London versus Detroit-style test-driven development, as well as other types of test automation. Uh, so we'll just get right into it. Austin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, this is a really rich topic. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to go maybe multiple different ways on this one. Uh, but yeah, I think it's rich in regards to just the test-driven development community and test automation community as well. But I also think, uh, as we've talked about before, uh, it's like mob mob programming and uh, TDD are kind of like peanut butter and jelly. So they they go really well together if you like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, <laughs> and so I think, yeah, this is really rich. I think maybe what I'll start off with is uh, my understanding, which might be a very bad understanding of uh, London style TDD uh, versus a more Chicago or some people call it Detroit uh, style uh, test driven development. And um, I think it's relevant because when you're mob programming or even pairing or working with others in the team, you'll see the different styles come up. So mm-hmm. at least in my experience, I've seen two different ends of the, the pendulum, so to speak. And so um, my interpretation of London is that um, there's a lot more mocking. I've even heard it called the mockist or something like that. It doesn't mean that other styles don't mock, but you'll have more of that where you want everything really small. So your classes, you know, it's always good to have good design, you know, uh, test design or uh, code design with small classes and objects and modules and things like that. But the idea is that every, you know, method or class you test uh, you isolate it from the rest of the world. And so, you know, any other dependencies. And so you're only, you know, testing this one little thing and that's it. Um, and so and often, since you're doing that, it means that if you're going to make a design change, you're pro- you're going to change the test. Like the test will drive the design change because you have to change the mocks. Like, oh, this module is now going to interact with this module or this module is going to get split in two and these fe- features are going to move or these methods are going to move from this class to this class. So you write the test to first, you know, fail by saying, oh, I expect these methods to be over here, you know, things like that. Um, So that's kind of on one end of the spectrum. And then on the other end of the spectrum, um, there are still mocks in Chicago and Detroit and TDD. And there's even those who say, get rid of all mocks, um, which is uh, maybe an interesting side discussion for later. Uh, But the idea is that as much as you can, you try to limit the mocking and you're only mocking uh, certain things, for example, like the edge of the system. So if you're writing code, let's, let's just say that's uh, buying and selling things on a website, right? Um, interactions with like a third party, um, you know, credit card transaction thing, right? Like you, that's someone else's code. You don't want to like, if you want your tests to be fast and have good feed, you know, quick feedback, you don't literally want to like, you know, wire money or do a transaction, right? So you'll mock the edge of the system. You'll mock things that aren't your code. Um, or in rare cases, you'll mock your own code when it's just it's just too much to handle and understand at once. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at to at least get the discussion started. What What is that, uh, tr- you know, trigger for your uh, thinking there, Chris? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, so, so I agree. I think that um, it's not so much the size that, maybe maybe the small thing I could argue with a little bit is that I feel like in London um 
it's not necessarily that what you're building is small that's under test it's just that uh it, like you said it's isolated and ex everything external to the class even uh is going to get mocked or or any external dependencies to the function that you're testing if you're doing functional um and detroit is kind of like a integration test but mocking the edges uh or doing you know full uh full integration tests uh, i think is is the step beyond that um i do think that i i you know i like the fast running i like not going out to the file system and and i like not going out to the um to the web uh and when i say that it doesn't necessarily need to be small inside london it, you know things could be larger under test but they're you know part of that internal system and has no external dependencies so it's pretty rare but um i see it actually cause uh not conflict on mobs but just you know strong differing opinions i guess um you know and i i think a lot of it you know in my mind what i think i've observed while mob programming is that london style tdd is uh it's it disincentivizes i think changing the architecture um meaning that if you refactor a uh, a single class um at, or change the way that it's used and it's it, it to the point where it's not a safe refactoring your uh or an automated refactoring then you're uh basically now lined up for kind of some shotgun surgery right you're, you're the anti-pattern shotgun surgery which is is going in and modifying many files um and so uh but the benefit um you know especially if you want to uh you know for financial reasons lock down the architecture uh um you know especially on the way that the system can be expanded then I think London is a great option for that. Um, and, and I find that Detroit, uh, on the, on the flip side of that is, uh, very expensive for the test setup. It takes a lot longer to set up a test than it does on London, uh, for complex systems, but, uh, doing a low level refactoring can be done without changing any of the tests. And so, um, you know, I, I find that, so, so I think that a lot of teams that end up having to refactor architecture that have done London throughout the project can experience a lot of pain. And conversely, I think that uh, projects that don't, that, that have a lot of risk to modifying architecture uh, um, experience quite a bit of pain from Detroit as well. So like there, there's, I think just trade-offs in my mind um, so, but yeah, I think it's been a point of contention and I've seen it. Um, and, and, you know, we have projects that were written purely in London and, and some that were written in Detroit. And uh, there's kind of like this, like when in Rome mentality, like if you go onto a project that you've never been on, it's like, oh, hey, this was written in, in London. I'm just going to keep writing London tests. So, um, you know, that's also been a pretty interesting thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I like how you're talking about pros and cons because, often these, uh, you know, A versus B, or there's like a pendulum type thing. Um, it's it's pretty nuanced. And like any engineering, or many things in life, any engineering, there's pros and cons either way, right? And there's also bad ways to do either version, right? So if you, for example, I've seen it before, someone do a London style thing, 
But what they did is the test code, the product code, you know, wasn't too bad, but the test code was like, like there was no one cared about how clean it was or how readable or maintainable <laughs> it was. So it was almost like a double whammy. So since London couples to the design, when you change the design, so in, in Chicago or Detroit, when you change, when you refactor the design, like move stuff around, you don't change the test at all because it's the big difference is you're kind of testing the behavior more. You're not really testing the design. So the behavior hasn't changed so that you don't need to change the test. But with London, since it is coupled to the design, and then on top of it, the tests are hard to change because they weren't written well. It's like a, it's like a, the pain is like a, <laughs> amplified amplified yeah it's like almost exponentially painful <laughs> and so and also i've seen too is that if you use london to test drive a bad design so i've talked i've actually uh thanks to y'all i think uh it's come up on social media before and we've actually scheduled meetings where we've talked about it i've uh, there's some london people who met and talked with me and they said if you test drive a good design um the design will change because it's extreme programming and it will um but um, the, the better and better you refactor as you go on the, the project, the, um, uh, the lead, you know, you don't have as much design changes, so to speak, because your design can handle change better as you go, where I've also seen London done. And I don't know if, you know, I wasn't there. So prime directive, right. But it's, <laughs> it, uh, you know, as far as like loose coupling, high, you know, uh, high cohesion and, you know, some of these kind of like solid principles and things weren't there and so it was like you know the mob really badly wanted to refactor but it was like it was a lot of work because yeah. uh, of the the coupling to the tests and so i think um often you'll see some uh strong negative emotions about tests and i often have seen it for this reason um yeah. and it might be you know um might be London, or maybe it was London done properly, right? And so, um, and then there's also pains on the Chicago side. So yeah, you were talking about test setup. What's some uh, yeah. major pains you've seen with set setup there? <laughs> well, I, I want to I want to do a clarifying point. Oh, so yeah. uh, you just said <laughs> Chicago instead of Detroit, and that's because people have been calling it Chicago and Detroit interchangeably. Yes. So I'll just yes. throw that out there. Yes. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and and London, I think, is uh, maybe often referred to as like pure uh, unit testing uh, or you know some sort of like purity con connotation. But um, I wanted to talk about you know maybe uh, London in general just not being resilient to black swan events. So like um, it's like a you know once in a lifetime direction change for the product, right? Mm. Uh, and so where it shifts the fundamental need for the architecture um yeah. so so those are the sorts of things that i've seen but also i i've seen um uh london is much more resilient to turnover so like uh than detroit is so so i would say D detroit is resilient to black swan events and london is resilient to uh turnover so so if your company is experiencing more people um uh, you know, they go and find another job and things along those lines. And you have a lot of risk around the thoughts put in by your um, original developers, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, so you might, you might favor uh, London for Greenfield if you have a risky situation or um, maybe the company's like compensation philosophy is not what, what you think it should be or something along those lines. Then, 
um, London will, you know, is a really easy way to communicate architecture intent. Um, and, uh, and, and, and kind of conversely, you know, but if the company wants to make like a 90 degree turn on the product direction, and now all of a sudden, um, your, uh, your polymorphism strategy needs to be, uh, you know, shifted in another direction or, or, um, or bifurcated in some way, then, then you're going to be spending a lot of money changing tests in London. Um, and so, and, and I've seen kind of both of these things sort of happen, um, you know, for, for one product, uh, that we had, um, our entire team turned over on, on that, uh, our, a whole mob turned over, uh, kind of at the same time for different reasons, but they all, they all kind of left around the same period of time. Um, but it would, this product was written in London style. Uh, and, and so there's no confusion about the architectural direction of that product. Um, but I've also seen <laughs> another product that was written in, in, uh, Detroit slash Chicago style that, uh, the test setup um, was just really complicated, but also uh, um, kind of hidden away behind layers of uh, abstraction. So, so when people came in to these tests for the first time, um, then you know you got the opposite effect. You got that like, oh man, like, you know, you have to dig through every level of abstraction to find out what the setup actually is, and then and then by the time you know all of that uh you know you, you finally kind of understand that it's locking down behavior but there's a huge investment up front to understanding it where that doesn't exist in london like you, you see the tests and they're very cut and dry um and, and so uh and then yeah those two product products just happen to exist in uh in our organization at the same time and uh i was able to kind of watch both those things happen uh kind of around the same time period yeah um so, so that, yeah, that was pretty interesting. And then, uh, you know, as far as the black swan events, I think those just trigger rewrites. Like, so, so I don't think people should really ever rewrite their software. They should use a strangler fig pattern, but I think companies end up justifying rewrites of their products because, uh, the original architecture is just no longer sustainable and it feels so slow to develop anything new. Um, and, and so, uh, I think, you know, when people find themselves advocating for a full rewrite and I've, I've seen it plenty of times, um, it's not that things couldn't be changed. It's just that, that the, everything's been locked down in such a way that people feel it would be easier to rewrite the whole thing, which I think in general is usually not true. Um, yeah. And I think I'll jump in on that. There is, um, maybe back to what we were talking about earlier is I think, <clears throat> both styles can be done in a really good fashion that can maybe not eliminate the problems you're talking about, but alle you know, alleviate them dramatically. And, yeah. um, and, you know, so for example, uh, if, you know, that you kind of talk about those black swan events, I think even in London, if you've correctly, you know, abstracted that away. So it's not like, like you said, shotgun surgery all throughout the code. It is just a swap out of one edge component, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and the same thing with Chicago. And you were talking about the pain of uh, reading the tests. 
And I think it kind of goes back to, I think what both, that there's differences, but there's also a lot in common hmm. is that um, both are usually, you know, well understood, big believers in good design, good refactoring and those kinds of things. And if you follow those through those kind of design principles along with the tests, a lot of these problems tend to go away a lot. So for example, if there's, if test setup is complex in, uh, you know, Chicago or Detroit test and you abstract it away because like, oh, there's, you know, you know, 20 lines of setup, right? Because you have to, well, there's these, you know, you know, three boundary systems we have to mock out or something um, uh, appropriately. And let's say someone, you know, probably for good reason, extracts those, but doesn't name them well, then you have the reading problem, right? Where if they're named really well, then you don't need to go read that code because you're just like, oh, it's setting up the database uh, mock or whatever. Uh, yeah. And it's setting up it up with a user or something. Um, and I think, and so for me, there's this shift from, I don't know if this is the right way to say it. And there's probably a lot of, this episode might invite a lot of comments and we welcome them for corrections. Yes, please. But uh, I love when I'm with a mob to do the switch from um, more and more domain driven and more and more uh, behavior driven, right? And so before we walk away from a test, before we walk away some code, what can we bake into the test and into the code that explains itself, right? <laughs> so yeah. what uh, what behavior, make sure that's in the test title, right? And then any uh, names of methods and things and variables, and if you do that, you can pretty quickly take something from, so to speak, TDD to BDD, where the behavior is in there um, pretty, pretty quickly. Um, but without that, again, if, if the test code's pretty dirty, you're going to experience these pains of either test style pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so maybe the a way I can rephrase it, because I've, I've actually seen this with like yeah. software developers coming into an XP environment that... Yes. that no one had to convince them to do XP. So like you, you have like yeah. the the um, veteran programmer that w has been in the trenches and then discovered XP as a way to solve their problems. And then you have the like fresh out of college programmer that wow. that came into an environment and is just doing XP because they were told to do XP. Yes. Um, and what I've seen is that that veteran programmer had to trudge their way through solid grasp uh understanding unit testing for the first time uh naming and stages of naming stuff and so like there's this whole road that they traveled and so i think what you end up getting with new developers in an xp environment for the first time is they don't know solid they don't know grasp they don't know functional paradigms they don't know design patterns they don't and so what you get is you know so so it's like you know is it is it the you know tdd is not the destination it's not about the destination it's about the journey almost um yeah and uh and so you know you could you could have either london or detroit style tests but if you if you if you do the opposite of solid and grasp like if it's if it's just uh tightly coupled and not yeah. cohesive uh, then that thing is going to be impossible to work with anyway, regardless if it's tested or not. Um, and so, you know, maybe there's just a need for, for, uh, you know, like maybe a focus on, on fundamentals. Cause I think if people, I think you're right. If, if, if people are doing, um, cohesion, coupling, design patterns, naming well, 
uh, then London or Detroit will be a delight to work in. Um, <laughs> right. It doesn't, you know, I think either one will be a fun, a fun code base to work in, but, uh, maybe the pains we're talking about is, is not necessarily the style of testing, but, but maybe, uh, leapfrogging parts of the journey. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's why for me, the more I've experienced, the more I've seen it. And maybe we'll jump into practically how you handle this in a team or an ensemble here in a minute. But I think for me, I like the analogy. I'll, I'll link it in the uh, chat in the show notes. Is uh, a video. I think it. What was it? Uh, TDD. Where did it, where did it all go wrong or something like that? Um, and what I liked the analogy he used was uh, a car sh shifter, right? So a manual car where you shift gears, right? And so I think. Even, you know, each style done to its best, there are certain contexts, as you were talking about, you've mentioned some of them, um, where it's better to use one style or the other. So it's always good to ask the team or mob what fits what we're currently trying to do. So, uh, for example, um, a, a time when London for me is without a doubt the best thing to do <laughs> is when I'm coming into a code base. Let's say it's a 15-year-old code base. Maybe it has some tests. Maybe it doesn't. And... There's just code, maybe spaghetti code everywhere. You know what I mean? And so I would love to have a tight feedback loop so I don't have to manually test this gigantic ancient system. And to get to set up ed tests, tests along the edge of the system or mock out the edges in like a proper, you know, Detroit or London style would be a huge amount of effort, you know, to figure all that out. Um, and, and there are shortcuts and ways to, you know, tools and things to do it. But for me, that's like a perfect place to just be like, okay. What are we going to change? Let's isolate that little piece with safer factorings, unit test it, have fast feedback, and then unit test its integration with the rest of the system. And then, you know, you can walk away with like a ton of safety, right? Um, and without a huge amount of effort. Where with, for me, for Chicago, I love, for me, it's just a, a joyous feeling when you're like, if you're working in a Chicago test space and you're like, you see a bigger picture architectural issue and you're like, oh, what if we swap this component over here? We move this over here and you just do it and then you run the tests and then in seconds, you know, it's all good. You didn't have to fix any tests. You didn't have to, you know, rearrange any mocks. Oh, it's, that's wonderful. And so, um, you know, I, I do steer that direction quite a bit because I love that feeling <laughs> and I want to increase that feeling. Um, but usually you can pull that off more when you, let's say like it's, it was a greenfield, you know, system done TDD from the start and knowledge is high in the mob of how the system works, you know, then it's, it's easier to go that path. I don't know. How, how, where, where do you usually shift gears <laughs> in what context? <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of the time I'm in that kind of, you know, the when in Rome mentality, like I'm ah, like, Oh, yes. I'm going to match whatever was there. Um, at least until I have like a greater understanding, but uh, yeah. I, I greatly preferred Detroit for that same reason. Uh, just, <laughs> just refactoring quickly without, um, without yeah. working about worrying about architectural details. Um, and, uh, and so I'll, I'll typically, you know, if I will advocate for Detroit always, but, um, I think the assumption there again is that solid grasp, uh, 
design patterns, you know, Gang of Four or Head First design patterns, uh, refactoring the patterns, Karievsky book, like all, all uh, that. Argue, when I argue for Detroit, I'm I'm assuming those things. Um, yeah, a lot of yeah. the time, right? Uh, you know, I think that uh, a place that I would use London is uh, in a highly volatile uh, environment. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, regarding either personnel or, or, you know, other, you know, just trying to, um, uh, or maybe in situations where you're switching projects often and you might not be on the same product for a long time when you're working yeah. with it. Um, uh, especially if you're like bouncing between styles and stuff, yeah. um, or languages. So, so those, those are kind of the areas where I might make those switches, but, um, for a, uh, a long-term kind of like highly dynamic product that that relies on the interoperability of multiple design patterns. I, I think that Detroit is my favorite. Oh, cool! Right on, right on. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's cool. And then maybe let's uh, maybe we'll turn practical before we close. You you join an ensemble, you've been in an ensemble, and you see the differing opinions come out. You know, like someone wants to mock the world, maybe, you know, I'll just go extreme, mock the world and isolate and, you know, test drive design and someone else is like, no, 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 like, let's, uh, let's expand, you know, the, you know, the boundaries here and, uh, you know, do more integration, but all, all in memory, but do more integration. How do you, how do you typically respond in those type situations? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, so, so for me, I'll just, I, I will put in my two cents, right, but that yeah. has nothing to do with the decision. Like, if, if those two people are like hard set on it, and there's an impasse uh i i uh, i just say let's flip a coin and go with it um because in the end like you know those those things can can change one way or another but but that coin flip can make a decision you can start moving forward and you'll learn more about the scenario and that'll provide fuel for future retrospectives so you know for yeah. me um I want to move forward quickly. Uh, and so I incorporate a lot of randomness and in, into <laughs> things like that. Um, or, uh, you know, if that's, that's assuming equal, uh, perceived skill level of the people involved. Mm -hmm. Um, but if it's, if it's somebody that's like much more senior and somebody that's, that's, that's very junior and, the senior person cannot successfully convince the junior person why to there to do it that way. Uh, then I uh, advocate to go with the junior uh, level person um, because nice. uh, you know, regardless, either either that junior level person will learn something you know profound from it, or uh, what I've seen more often than not happen is that the more senior person learns something about the different style that they weren't um, they weren't uh, grasping. So, so that's been, that's been my philosophy around that. How about you? Anything? Nice. Yeah. And I think it, it'll go back to principles we've talked about in other episodes, like, like you, you know, the, uh, favor the least privileged voice. Right. And then for me, the archivist helps a lot in this scenario, um, uh, because often, or at least sometimes in a mob, there isn't an understanding of, you know, any of this. Right. And so, They'll be like, well, what would it mean to test it this way versus, or they just start writing the test one way. And then I might let them finish and I'll just be like, oh, that was a great test. Would you, have you heard of doing it this other style, you know? 
And they're like, well, what would that even mean? And then we'll get out on the whiteboard and start drawing like, oh, I see that when you wrote this test, you put the mock here, you know, and I see that you isolated or, you know, you did this or that. And then what I've usually seen is it's almost like you'll see the learning as we work on uh, production items is yeah. that you'll see like, oh, they did that one more London style. Um, and then they did the next feature more Detroit style or Chicago style. And then they retrospected and then they kind of solidified on a blend of the two or they went all Chicago for like three months straight, you know, and then you see them refactoring as you go. Um, but the like almost with all uh, uh, engineering teams or, or mobbing or ensembling, when the team is able to has autonomy to try each style and figure out what yeah. works in that context, usually the team starts to uh, find their way, you know, yeah. exper experientially. So, um yeah, yeah. So I, I totally agree. I, uh, I think the worst situation you can be in is everybody doesn't have an opinion at all. Um, <laughs> so so often I will just find myself recommending that people form an opinion between the two. Right. Uh, so if you if you're like, I don't know, uh, which you know, so I'm I'm like, I I want you to to have an understanding of what you prefer in which situation. Because if if not, then um then we can't even have the discussion. Like we can't, you know, we can't put our collective input in on this and it's just like one person making that decision. And so, yeah, uh, yeah the, yeah. the worst spot to be is to not have an opinion between the two for different, for each situation you're in yeah. currently. Yeah. And I think also uh, we were talking about in the previous episode is have the long game in mind for this, right? Like yeah. if you have a preferred style and you believe in it passionately, you might have to let that go for a little bit to let the team experiment and that's fine. And also the long game sometimes uh, might take quite a while, but also can be quite satisfying. So I remember um, I was in an ensemble where I was like the minority weird opinion on the subject. And I just kind of went with it for a while. And I think, um, I think they let me experiment a little bit on a, doing a different style. And then we did a feature or two that way. And there were some people in the mob who just kind of nodded and like they didn't seem very interested or whatever. But then I think it was a year later, they're in a code base and experiencing all kinds of problems. And they're like, I don't remember what you were saying or what you were doing, but can you come over and show us that other style? Because I think it works. Over, you know what I mean? And so it yeah. might take months or years of experience for someone to see the benefit of one of the styles, you know, and so um it, it might be, uh, you might feel like you're speaking into the vacuum, <laughs> but uh, you're not uh, often. So uh, yeah. yeah, don't give up. Don't give up hope. Yeah. <laughs> so um, cool. Anything else before we close this, close this one out, Chris? Uh, yeah, I just want to make sure that everybody remembers to uh, go red, then go green, and then refactor. Oh, wow. For those in the podcast, Chris... Uh, who can't see the video, Chris just dramatically switched the lights in his background to match those different phases. So, yeah, it, you know, if, what would be fantastic, Chris, is next time we mob, every time we are in one of those phases, you need to change your background. So uh, I think we'll have to automate that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That sounds like a good learning time project. Yeah. Wire up Chris's lights to the, the, to the uh, status of the test at that moment. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> right or, or anytime your build server goes red, just, you know. Yeah. Information radiators. Perfect. <laughs> um, right on. Well, uh, 
Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. We'd love to, you know, we know this is a uh, rich topic with a lot of nuance and we probably said something wrong. So we, we welcome your feedback on uh, correcting us or sharing your experiences and insights. And uh, yeah, so reach out on uh, comments on YouTube, uh, you know, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, and more. And uh, until next time, uh, mob and test well and have a good one, everybody. Bye. Bye, everyone.